0: This is the Capital Literature Podcast, bringing you investment letters and audio. The Capital Literature Podcast is a SEBITS capital service for the investment community. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. All rights belong to the respective owners. Canterbury Tollgate, fourth quarter, 2021. Quote. Knowledge grows. But wisdom, though it ran improved with years, does not progress with centuries. I cannot instruct Solomon. End of quote. From Wildurinel, Fallen Leaves. Quote. Trust me, comma. Wilbur. People are very gullible, they'll believe anything they see in print. End of quote. From E. B. White. Quote. The possession of a strong will and a clever head, mock. S. Some things very difficult to see. End of quote. From Alan Watts. Dear friends and valued investors, CTG fluxion returned plus 10.86% net for 2021 versus plus 12.35% for the 70 30 benchmark. 12 months ago, if the grand market deities had promised me a 10 plus percent return for 2021, after a plus 35% year in 2020, I'd probably have taken it with joy. However, I'd be lying if I said the last half of last year was easy. That desire to keep pace with those high flying indices and entities is potent and pervasive, even when one knows they'll eventually come tumbling down. To be frank, I was fairly disappointed with how our portfolio performed relative to those benchmarks in the latter part of the year. In the first nine months of the year, the fund returned plus 12.4% versus plus 7.1% for the 70-30 benchmark, comma, plus 10.9% for the MSCI All World Index, ACWI and 15.9% for the S&P 500. Then the last quarter left became a sell fest, primarily of that which was already attractively or undervalued. For most of the last half of 2021, what went up kept going up and what was expensive got more expensive, with the same rationale that those who are famous for being famous keep being famous. And vice versa, what have been muddling through just kept muddling through dot that began to change in late November. Positions and holdings. I am quite excited at the moment about our current holdings and some of the opportunities brought about by recent declines. First, Expedia is a new position added late last year at around $160 per share. The company has two main lines of business, traditional travel booking like hotels and flights and BRBO.com Through the end of 2021, BRBO.com was outperforming Airbnb in terms of site activity, while Expedia traded at about half the valuation. Our primary holdings largely remain the same. Amazon, Dropbox, Meta, and GoDaddy are all the muddlers I just referenced. Yet our calculation of value has only grown over the past year, making them ever more attractive holdings. Finally, there is unique and burgeoning high conviction holding which we are currently adding to. I will avoid going into detail at the moment, but I look forward to giving a full debrief once we're fully invested. Contrast dictates emotion. In one of the final episodes of his ESPN docuseries, Tom Brady tells the story of the Chinese farmer, a powerful parable illustrating the importance of keeping an even demeanor. The story, as originally told by Alan Watts, goes as follows. Once upon a time, there was a Chinese farmer whose horse ran away. That evening, all of his neighbors came around to commiserate. They said, We are so sorry to hear your horse has run away. This is most unfortunate. The farmer said, Maybe. The next day, the horse came back bringing seven wild horses with it, and in the evening, everybody came back and said, Oh, isn't that lucky? What a great turn of events! You now have eight horses. The farmer again said, Maybe. The following day his son tried to break one of the horses, and while riding it, he was thrown and broke his leg. The neighbors then said, oh dear, that's too bad, and the farmer responded, maybe. The next day the conscription officers came around to conscript people into the army, and they rejected his son because he had a broken leg. Again all the neighbors came around and said, isn't that great? Again, he said, maybe. Little is good or bad. It just is, and it's important to figure out what is. We have to deal with what is rather than what we wish was. Putting a label on it often makes the event more than it is and confuses how something feels for what it is and how to deal with it. We want to avoid pain when pain is where the lessons lie. Here I do not refer to real life or death or deals, rather personal and mental going against the grain challenges applicable to investing, the desire to have it good all the time is more than just unreasonable. It's detrimental. That is, The desire to avoid necessary pain or strain, sooner or later causes more pain than was ever avoided, whether one is aware of this or not. In reality, how we perceive what we experience in one moment is dictated by how it contrasts with other recent experiences. Success breeds self-satisfaction and pride which leads to complacency leading to failure which breeds frustration and discontent. That discontent awakens in some a dog determination to figure out what went wrong and how to fix it. Investing ain't easy. As Munger once said, anyone who thinks it's easy is stupid. Market Environment Oh, the storm and its fury broke today, crushing hopes that we cherish so dear. Clouds and storms will in time pass away. The sun again will shine bright and clear. Keep on the sunny side, the Carter family. Markets have now had one of the roughest beginnings to a calendar year on record. The downswing has been swift and, in many cases, violent. For instance, Netflix was down 34% for the year through Friday, January 21. 21st. Through the same period, NVIDIA, Shopify, C-Limited, Moderna, Square, Rivian Automotive, Snap, Datadog, Coinbase, Roblox, and DoorDash were all down more than 20% for the year. YTD through 21 Jan 2022, the S&P 500 ETF, SPY, was down 8.03%, the NASDAQ, QQQ down 11.77% and the Russell 2000 ETF, IWM lower by 1166 Worse, 20-year government treasuries and corporate bonds provided no relief, declining by 3.08 and 2.32%, respectively. A portfolio of all five ETFs weighted 70% to equities and 30% to bonds would have generated 8.15% in the first three weeks of the year. In early December of last year, 2021, I sent the following message to one of our most successful and sophisticated investors. Bubble-like behavior expanded with broader participation among less experienced investors, as prices had been driven up to even higher levels. Much of what has fallen will never come back, for instance, AMC has no prospect to reach its current valuation. Lots of non profitable, non FCF generative, but high top line growth stocks will also eventually falter for good, or for 5 to 10 years. After the dot com collapse, names like Cisco still haven't recovered from their January 2000 highs. Even Amazon took about 7 years to get back to even January 2000 to mid 2007. We do not own these type names. I will be wrong about some of our holdings but I'll also go to my grave avoiding 1929 and 1999-like valuations, let me sound like a broken record again by saying price volatility is the expectation, the norm, not the exception. The pain it causes is fleeting if our underwriting, the underlying assessment of the investments, is generally correct, i.e., we can still be wrong on some of the holdings. The problem is one cannot say if transient is a few months or a few years. Still, the ideal point to get to is one where we can almost ignore, after double and triple checking our analysis, the market's panicky swings. What is value? Separately and in their own unique styles, I'd submit few have contributed more to investor and entrepreneur thinking than Peter Thiel and Jeff Bezos. And one of the most important aspects of that thinking has been that akin to profits bad, reinvestment good. There is great truth in this short statement. Though it's been misunderstood or taken out of context by many. Of course, generating cash flows is a categorical positive. However, not having anywhere to reinvest for future growth is a categorical negative. Many are now aware that today's stated earnings, i.e. and net income or earnings per share, has little to do with the prospects for the business and its capacity to generate current or future cash flow. Just as many seem to use PE, price-to-earnings, ratios as their primary argument for high valuations even though the E&PE ratios isn't equivalent or comparable across companies and industries. Still, it is relatively widely understood that an investment in certain high multiple stocks three or four decades ago would have yielded more than satisfactory returns. The trouble though is that this thinking was taken to its extreme, any pop stock with high revenue growth was thrown into the will eventually be great basket. Only a few companies established enduring competitive advantages over many years. Bidding up non cash flow generating firms, i.e., those constantly needing to access financing from capital markets, to levels that presume they'll be the next Coca Cola was and is doomed to fail. I made a note to myself in late December re ratings, when they happen, will do so with rapid velocity. Until then, nothing will happen. The until then part turned out to be a few days. Fed rate cycle. Every Fed rate hike cycle of the last four decades has been followed by a recession. For the Federal Reserve, it's impossible to get it just right. There's no easy or simple landing. I've come to grips with the fact that in high flying markets, buying slash selling on valuation is nearly impossible to get right in the near term. Fund flows are what make stocks move from day to day, the number of buyers and sellers and which price they're willing to transact. Fund flows are in turn driven by sentiment, and sentiment is driven by behavior i.e.com a panic slash euphoria, as well as, these days, monetary policy, primarily where rates are perceived to be headed. The Fed has a recent history over the past few decades of raising rates when the economy markets get too hot. However, since the 200809 9 crisis, whenever the Fed hikes rates, or hints that they might do so, i.e., when the Fed effectively says markets are too loose, capital is too plentiful, the market throws a fit. Asset prices fall which naturally tightens monetary conditions to the point where the Fed finds they need to reverse course. Hence, while stocks typically converge to appropriate valuations over, say, 5-7 to years, their near-term market prices regularly get and stay out of whack, that is, non-fundamentally driven, for extended periods. The market, then, is not full-stop efficient. Rather it converges to efficiency over time. There would be no need to converge towards reasonable pricing if there were not first inefficiencies to move away from. Those inefficiencies that create opportunity cannot be avoided. A year of bad performance can feel like an eternity even though it goes by in a flash. While most businesses are about immediate results and verifiable improvements, investing is a mind and demeanor game, it's as much or more a philosophical endeavor as it is a financial or mathematical one. Both the right temperament and competency are required. We must assess and reassess the validity of our underlying holdings given how they fit into the general economic trajectory whilst remaining stoic and ready to pounce when prices tank. The peril of public markets, the harsh reality. Prices are set by marginal most recent transactions. Those marginal trades occur for all manner of reasons, a material proportion of which almost certainly occurring for reasons other than underlying fundamental analysis. These are the most liquid and active markets in the world, they're always trading. Unlike, say, private equity or housing markets where one doesn't see a daily price. Any investor using price returns, i.e., up or down movements, as their primary indicator for near term public market success is destined for failure. It points to one being controlled by short term, non fundamentally driven factors, facades. Recent examples like cryptocurrencies and S stocks are equivalent to 1999.com stocks. Even the great Warren Buffett experienced a period of prolonged underperformance From 1971 to 1975, Berkshire Hathaway declined by 48.7%, figure 2. Many no doubt took the price declines as a signal rather than assessing the manager himself. Price declines serve as distractions, creating noise and fear, as well as opportunity. I wrote in January 2019 that the market's feedback becomes a self-reinforcing loop, providing a false sense of security when the recent past has produced satisfactory results. Cycles are inevitable. The upswing increases optimism which in turn causes a further upswing leading greater increases in optimism. This sets the stage for a subsequent downturn by creating an environment that can handle lesser and lesser optimism, i.e. if everything is great, it eventually cannot get much better leading to an inevitable shift. At the shift, pessimism increases, causing doom and gloom, which drives greater pessimism eventually hitting at the deepest part to the human psyche, that which causes people to feel as if they'll die if they don't sell. The market is a forward-looking mechanism. By the time a recession is confirmed, likely most of the losses will have already occurred. The official Great Financial Crisis GFC recession began in December of 2007, but it wasn't officially confirmed by the National Bureau of Economic Research until the fourth quarter of 2008. By then, around 40 to 50% of the losses we'd experience were already priced in. The p 500 bottomed in March 2009 down 57%, meaning three quarters of losses occurred before the recession was officially announced. Information is being priced in more rapidly today than in the past. Computing power has advanced to previously unimaginable, sci fi like levels we can now analyze in a few minutes what used to take a few days. Algorithms have been trained to identify and sell at the peak of good news, when things can't get much better, and buy at the trough of bad news when things can't get much worse. This will make it very difficult for humans trying to time the market or play momentum. Whatever is coming next will look and feel very different than downturns of recent memory. Every recession looks different than the ones before it, and the metrics that predicted those crises probably won't be the ones that predict the next crisis. Markets get smarter with each iteration of crashes and crises. Economies are reflexive, adaptive, and complex. They cannot be accurately forecast because virtually anything that can be expected will be acted upon and incorporated into market prices. Opportunity lies in unexpected places, in thinking about things not as they are but as they will be, in doing things most others won't do. Right or Wrong That economic feedback is getting priced in a lot faster than ever before. Jubilation or fear shows up with astonishing velocity. In conclusion, thank you for your trust and thank you for indulging me thus far. I'm confident about our future here, but at the same time it will be, or I will be tedious and boring at times. I'll end on this quote from Will Durant. If you find anything original here, it will be unintentional and probably regrettable. Knowledge grows, but wisdom, though it can improve with years, does not progress with centuries. All the best. V. Chase Chandler, Founder and Chief Investment Officer